0: Okay, and welcome uh, this week uh, An interview with Jessica a uh, Fascinating filmmaker Won't say much, I don't think I need to I'm just going to let the uh, interview play as it happened And let you find out uh, what she's all about So uh, Jessica, uh, hi, how's it going?
1: It's going great, thanks for having me
0: are you uh, Are you enjoying your stay in Edinburgh at the moment?
1: Yes, I love this place a lot, so i'm very happy to be here
0: um I thought it would be a good idea for you to introduce yourself rather than me doing it um as if you were speaking to someone that knew sort of nothing about you. Um, how would you describe yourself and your uh, and your work
1: Well, that's a hard one for me. Um, I would just pretty much say that i'm a filmmaker <laughs> I'm, a, I'm not very good at describing my um, my job, but I, uh, I make films about, um, well, I I make films that, that try to instill a sense of wonder, whether it's about the natural world or about language or about science or whatever it happens to be, It, it is, I have a lot of childish optimism still in my life, and so I try and impart that wherever I can.
0: And it tends to be like uh, documentary stuff that you seem to have been doing mainly so far. Why is it that you've chosen or gone down the documentary line?
1: Um, Well, education was always something that I was very interested in. Um, Actually, growing up, science was my favourite subject, but I didn't want to be a scientist because routine is not something that suits me. Um, And I thought maybe I wanted to be a teacher, but I actually really don't get along with kids so I decided that that was not for me but um, when I was 14 I actually saw David Attenborough's Private Life of Plants in my high school biology class and um, we had grown up never watching TV so I had never seen a nature program before and that program sort of blew my mind and it was it was an an epiphany for me I just realized that that was exactly what I wanted to do was make documentaries mostly about the natural world but also just about things that I was interested in. So that's how I got started.
0: Um, and I guess that's part of it, but where does the motivation or need to do this work sort of come from on like a, a sort of deep level?
1: Oh God, I wish I knew. Um, I, it's an absolute compulsion. I don't think I could do anything else. It's, I have a rather obsessive compulsive personality, very um, addictive personality, and I can't not work. It's sometimes a little bit scary, <laughs> but um, I, yeah, I just, I love what I do, and I wish I could explain my process or my my motivations, but really it's just, I wake up with an idea in my head, and it's all I can think about until I start working on it.
0: Um, on the web, it's uh, I was reading sort of up on you and stuff, and... um. Oh, thanks so <laughs> right. yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. know. the um and it's is it my myropod productions Maria is the yeah. Yeah, myriapo right um it seems to have a focus, I was reading the sort of the blurb thing and it was uh, a focus on education and exploration of natural sciences particularly in the ethnobiological, ethnobiology field yes. um can you talk a bit about what sort of ethnobiology is because it's quite like a, it's quite a good word but I've actually no idea Um, what what it is, if that makes sense.
1: Um, well, I when I started talking about ethnobiology, I didn't actually realize that it was a thing. Um, I sort of just coined it. I thought I coined it myself. Not that I gave myself that much credit, but I sort of just made it up to fit what I was doing, which is I was making films about the way that na- uh, the way that human cultures interact with the natural world, and um, of course then schools of ethnobiology started to be around, so um, obviously I wasn't alone in that, and I certainly didn't coin it, but I, you know, it does sum up, despite its academic uh, associations, it does sum up to me what I'm making films about mostly, which is really this, the way that our social histories and memory um, shape our ideas of nature.
0: And you seem to have quite a big interest in like uh, insects, by the looks of things. And you've got that film called Beetle Queen Conquers Tokyo. What is it about um, them that really interests you?
1: Well, like like my process, it's hard to say. I have always loved insects. My parents say before I could walk, I was collecting cockroaches in the in the closet. Um, I just to me they're just perfect little ergonomic forms. I mean they're just well I don't know they're they're just pretty perfect and um, I work so I've always loved insects and I've worked at the Natural History Museum now for eight years I work as a live animal keeper um, taking care of the animals that are on exhibit so a lot of times it's herps and small mammals and fish and things like that but um, always they're butterflies and butterflies aren't my favorite but it's a really great Um, experience to get to work in the butterfly vivarium there because I get to watch people interact with insects on a very micro scale I mean they it's just the same process over and over again it's like watching a science experiment and it's really astonishing and beautiful to watch people sort of fall in love with something that they think is sort of gross (laughs) and um, butterflies are like the pandas of the insect world you know they're like the cute cuddly ones that get grossed out by and then for a while I was giving um, presentations about spiders and scorpions handling live spiders and scorpions and I love getting people to change their mind about things that's that's a big inspiration for me
0: um again when I was looking at you online um (laughs) this is going to sound worse but I was I was looking at the article that was done about your office um and thought it was pretty fascinating because you've got like you say you've got like all these sort of little compartments for insect parts and uh, pinned-up butterflies and things like that. And um, it sort of reminded me of what Alan Berliner's working space is like for... um, He's got all these photographs of people and that sort of thing and you've got all these insects. But um, sort of why... Is your office still like that or is it... um, Yeah, yeah. So um, what is it about that that makes it sort of a great working space?
1: Well... um That aesthetic really appeals to me. I've always loved the American Museum of Natural History. We used to go there growing up, and it was just my favorite place, always. And um, my parents, my, my dad does historical renovation, and my mom does historical interior redecoration, and they work together really well, creating these really complete Recreations of what a house would have looked like. So the house that I spent some time in growing up was, you know, very turn of the century American Arts and Crafts, and we had a very Victorian one before that. And um, so antiques are—they're um, just very important to me. The stories that they that they sort of hold in their in the 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 wood that they are and the fabric that they are. I don't know. I love the ghost stories that sort of come with old furniture and old things. So I've just always been a collector of that. And, um, you know, once you start collecting something and people realize you collect it, that's all you get. It's just more of that collection. So it just grows and grows every year, and I'm totally happy to have it that way. Um, and it definitely makes for a lot of surprise because I think people look at me and don't assume that I'm gonna like insects and bugs and snakes like <laughs> like that. <laughs> so
0: um one of the things you've uh, created is a interactive documentary um and i've sort of been quite interested in looking them looking at them recently because of a friend that's asked me to look at them for a dissertation but i wasn't it wasn't really something that i'd been aware of until recently um and uh all the kind of things that have been done in this area can you tell someone listening um what an interactive documentary is first and then what so it kind of allows you to do and what you enjoy about it what is that guy doing, though? The what? The, the statue?
1: No, there's a dude out there on the roof.
0: Oh right, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's, well, he's probably just uh, taking. He's probably just having a condition? wee, having a wee look at the air conditioning units or something. Yeah, <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I didn't even know he could get on there. Really. That's, uh, but yeah, don't don't, don't don't worry too much about him, it's, he'll be... It's uh,
1: my New York state of mind, you know, we always assume it's got to be a terrorist. <laughs> yeah, no, no,
0: it's, uh, no, no. we're probably all right for terrorists at the moment in, uh, in Edinburgh, I don't know, but uh, yeah, he looks all right, he looks pretty harmless. So.
1: I was surprised that I could even get into this building without an ID, because in New York you have to have an ID and somebody has to already have put you into the system so that they know that you're coming, oh, it's so much work.
0: Uh, yeah, it's, it's like a public building, so it's yeah. open all the time, well not all the time, but between nine and yeah,
1: you can just wander about it. Hmm. Well, we can't do that. Okay, I'm sorry. So starting <laughs> back up on that question. What sorry, was... No. Oh, the interactive documentary. Yeah. No. Well, um, A Tinky, the story of Arctic Cowboys, the film that I made, uh, is a very pure, direct cinema, atmospheric, experiential piece. It's very much about transporting the audience into the experience of Lapland. It's very quiet. Um, it's very meditative, and rhythmic, and cyclical, and very much true to my experience there. Um, and I n- always knew I wanted the film to be that way. But while I was living with this family of reindeer herders in the Arctic, I came to understand how much more complex their life was. The, You know, the way that the EU has um, put all these different constraints on their lifestyle, predator management laws, and global market, and climate change, and all these things that are affecting them, all these pressures, that are the same pressures that um, exist for independent farmers all around the globe. And so I wanted to deal with that, but I didn't really want to change the experience of the film. So originally I I had started thinking about making a game that would accompany the film. But we were accepted into the PBS POV Hackathon in New York, and we were teamed with this great group called Murmur, um, Hal Siegel and Mike Knowlton, and they, um, together, we sort of came up with this idea of this part video story, part interactive debate that would live online for free, and that was very in tune with the sort of pacing and and aesthetics of the film. So it was. it's very stripped down, it's very simple, um, but it has a whole, it deals with all those elements that the film doesn't really address. Um, and to those two things to me really work great in tandem. Um, but it's an interesting space because the interactive space doesn't yet really have a built-in audience the way documentary does. And to get people in the seats in the theaters is one thing, and to get people online is another thing. But to get the same people in both those venues is proved rather challenging. So um, I still, I still think there's a there's a lot of a lot of work to be done in that in that space. But I don't know. We'll see.
0: And um, you've already sort of just explained what your new film's about. So. Um, don't need to ask you about that.
1: Well, I have a new film. A new, new film.
0: Oh, is that? That's... a new? Oh, you've got a newer one than the one you're showing, actually, (laughs) isn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. You could talk about that if you want. Yeah, let's go for that.
1: (laughs) Well, so, Otsinki is still touring. It just opened theatrically in the US, but this film that I've been working on for five years, much longer than Otsinki. Otsinki was, like, sort of a distraction while this other film was in the works, because I can't just do one thing at once. That would be... Actually, I can't even do just five things at once. That would be much too tame for me. So I've been working on this film that's called The Vanquishing of the Witch, Papayaka, and it's sort of about forests uh, and fairy tales and the way that folklore has sort of shaped our idea of of the forest space and the uses of forests um, throughout Eastern Europe, so So, throughout history in Eastern Europe. So um, that is premiering next month, or this month, haha, actually in just a week or so, had a True False Film Festival in the United States and then going on to some other festivals, which I guess I shouldn't talk about yet since they haven't announced. But yeah, I'm very excited about that one. It's completely different from Helsinki Couldn't be more different. Uh, it's a very, <laughs> it's a strange one, but I think it's, it's some of the best stuff I've done so far. I'm very proud of it. Um,
0: what would you say well with either film really but what what would you say you've learned about yourself while making the films? So not like about the content during the films that you've learned but what have you learned about you as a person or filmmaker during it?
1: A lot. I think filmmaking is exceptionally revealing. Um, I think all of my films are deeply personal even though I'm, I hope to be invisible in a way. I think they're all um, they all speak to where I was at the time in my life that I was working on them, and um, it's, hard, it's hard to single out little pieces because I feel like the way that you change as a human, you, you incorporate these new emotions and these new pieces of knowledge in a way that it feels like they've always been there. And slowly, you just change that way, and other people see you, and they're like, "Wow, you're a different person," but you can't really tell why. Um, so it's it's hard to say. I think actually, making Atsinki was one of the biggest influences because it was so extremely different for me. I've always lived in a city, and so to move to the Arctic and live in a little cabin with no heat and no hot water, and learn to herd reindeer—that was. That was challenging. Um, learn how to stay warm, learn how to light fires, learn how to sew, learn how to cook for myself, all these things that I never would have imagined that I would have to do, because you know, living in New York, you want Vietnamese, you order that. You want Peruvian Chinese, you order that. You never have to actually buy groceries or anything. So it, that was a huge learning curve, just in terms of life skills, but also in terms of what it means to be happy. And to um, I don't know how to live in a live with what we've created as this very complex world with many complex problems that when you step away from them actually mean nothing and how to balance those How to balance those? I don't. I mean, it's it's sort of mind-boggling. I remember showing up in the Arctic, and they were so astonished; they they couldn't believe that I didn't know how to light a fire. They're like, "Well, what do you know how to do?" I was like, "Well, I can I can build websites and I can make art films, and those are such feckless (laughs) skills when you put it in the context of actually surviving." Um, And so. I don't know. I have I have a hard time reconciling those. What it what it means to be alive in in contemporary city life versus what it means to be alive when you work with nature.
0: Um, if there was say, if you were speaking to another filmmaker um, who hadn't made a film before, or was just starting to do, what would you say is one thing they should know or realize about themselves before? Um, doing it?
1: Hmm, That's a hard one. I guess um, the advice I feel like I give out most often is that you have to love your subjects so unconditionally because you will live with them for so long. (laughs) I mean, I started making Beetle Queen in 2007 and I still talk about that film all the time. And if I, somebody had told me, well, get ready to talk about this film for seven years and still be, you know, dealing with merchandising and still be, you know, doing TV interviews about the film, I would have said, hmm, that doesn't seem realistic. And I wouldn't want to be talking about something seven years in the future. I mean, it's the same reason I don't have a tattoo thing. My interests change so quickly. But, um, yeah, you just really have to be attached and ready and prepared to give your life to that project, because it will, I mean, I guess being obsessive compulsive, it consumes me, and I assume that other filmmakers feel the same way, but I could be completely mistaken. Um, But I also, I think, um, I mean, yeah, I think it's really good to have grounding in film history. I think I learned more working at a video store than I did the entire three years I was at film school. And I think that having, uh, just having confidence that, that you can craft something beautiful and thoughtful and not have to manipulate your audience, I don't know, that's another personal choice of mine. I hate being told what to think by films, so that's a, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that was too many answers. That was too many answers.
0: No, that was good. Uh, I think we'll just uh, we'll leave it there, that's quite a good length. So, um, thanks very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure and I hope you enjoy the rest of your stay in Scotland and all the other places that you're uh, about to uh, travel to.
1: Thanks, thanks very much for having me.
0: Okay, there we are. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, her film, The Vanishing of the Witch Baba Yaga, uh, just premiered at True Falls Festival there and is playing at uh, New Directors Stroke New Films at MoMA in New York next weekend I think, um, although that may have passed um, by the time you listen to this. Yep, so aye. Uh, exciting stuff there, and look forward to being able to see that film soon hopefully. Um, plenty of her work is available online, um, if you just google uh, Jessica Ulrich, um plenty to look for. Short films and trailers for our features, and I think you can actually buy um, Beetle Queen Conquers Tokyo, um, although I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, we'll have some of the um, clips of the masterclass that she did here at the art college online soon just in the uh, process of doing that just now so look out for them they might again be done by the time you listen to this and uh, yeah anyway all the best hope you enjoyed the interview